What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. Hey, everyone. It's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you, though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting greedy podcast here. I've seen you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Thursday, January 19th, and the betting bros, thank God, are back to help us preview what should be, what will be. I'm going to go ahead and say what will be another fantastic week of playoff football. Frank Schwab, we were just talking about this uh, behind the scenes. You know, uh, despite microphone issues last week, we brought you back uh, because you know what? Hey, we, we were on a progressive, modern, forward-thinking operation here. We don't just we don't just put guys on the bench just for one mistake, buddy. Hey, how you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Doing much better after the Dallas Cowboys line my pocket. I'm sad to see the 2022 Buccaneers go. Uh, they, they were good to me, fading them, obviously. Uh, you, by the way, guys, is uh, this question gets asked every year, it seems. Divisional round weekend, the best weekend of football of the year? Is it, is it number one on our list? Is it still Super Bowl Sunday? Is it For me, it's week one. I love week one. I'm a weirdo that way. You know, everything's new. Everything's fresh. Yes. Is this the best weekend? Is this a divisional round weekend the best for you guys? I, I think I'll, it is. I'll answer. Yeah, Scotty, I, I want to hear your thoughts because I, I saw you tweet about this, and I've usually felt the same way that, I think that it's usually divisional round weekend is the best, but, um, and, and I've been pretty, and I know Scott, you feel the same way. You're pretty anti, like the extra seed of the playoffs, but wildcard weekend has been, maybe it's recency bias. Cause this wildcard weekend was awesome, Scott, but, um, I, I do feel like it's kind of delivered here the last couple of last couple of years, at least. If I ran everything, the chargers would be back in San Diego. We'd have a 16 game schedule. We'd have the 12 team playoff format. I thought that was perfect. But I do think this is the best week of the season because we get the best weekend of the season. We get games on Saturday. We get games on Sunday. There's still a lot of diversity to what the Super Bowl matchups could be. I was talking to Frank about this this week. If we assume nothing against the Jaguars or the Giants, I don't think either team is going to the Super Bowl. You cannot come up with anything less than a great matchup with the other six teams. And that really excites me. Yeah, I might have gone along with Frank's um, idea that week one is the, the best week of the season. I think at one point I may have felt that way, but with teams pulling back in the preseason, I feel like week one leads to a lot of sloppy football. It's almost like an exhibition plus week. So that that's taken, it's still really fun, but in, you know, any football is better than no football. But I think that's taken a little bit of the juice out of week one. So yes, I'm going to sign off on divisional week. It's not the greatest name. People said that before, but 
uh, to me. And look, I mean, next week won't be great. Obviously, the Super Bowl is like the most American of holidays, right? It's everything we are. You know, even people who aren't football fans will be tuning into a Super Bowl for whatever it is. They're in a pool. They're going to watch commercials. So it's um, it's a very American event. But um, this is the pinnacle for me. Yeah, it's beautiful. We got all the best teams here. Uh, let's dive right into it. We're going to preview these games in order of when they will be played. Let's just jump right into the first one here. We got Jaguars at Chiefs. The Chiefs are eight and a half point favorites. We got a beefy 53 point over under. Let's talk about when the Jaguars have the ball here first, and then we'll get into our picks. We'll get into the spotlights for each guy here. But when the Jaguars have the ball, Frank, um, my big question here is, can they protect Trevor Lawrence? Uh, Chris Jones is kind of quietly. He feels like a guy that never gets talked about enough in, right. in sort of big media, mainstream media. But he's kind of quietly had like a defensive player of the year uh, type season. The Chiefs, uh, I believe, are top five in pressure rate right now. That seems to be a pretty key question here. Can they keep Trevor uh, upright? Can they keep him, um, you know, centered and, and calm and everything? Because if they do, then I think there are exploitable matchups for the Jaguars in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right about Chris Jones. I mean, other than Nick Bosa, who hey, he was just a force of nature this year. I Chris Jones might have been the best defensive player in football, at least in the conversation. Doesn't get that credit a lot, but we know what this Chiefs defense is. It's it's average. It's okay. Like they don't need to be great because they got a great offense. It's a it's a very average, exploitable defense at times. I think they're better than they have been the past couple of years. Not great. I don't know if this is the defense that really gets to Trevor Lawrence that disrupts him. I, I actually think Trevor's going to have a pretty good game. We'll get into Jaguars a little bit later, but I think yes, a, a big key for this Jaguars team be, being balanced, not getting behind. Of course, no team wants to get behind. You don't get behind twenty seven zip this week. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> I think, but I, I think that I think the Jaguars would be just fine because this Chiefs defense it doesn't really scare anybody. It's not a it's not a defense that's. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris Jones aside, who who do you really fear? They got a couple good young players, but I, I think that the Jaguars offense is going to be just fine. Scott, um, I, I think that we when you look at the. Again, the Chiefs give up the 10th most yards after the catch this year. Um, you know, when when the Jaguars have been able to get guys like Christian Kirk into the open field, especially Evan Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram has been rolling like when they can get him into open space over the last, uh, you know, month and a half of the season. And obviously last week a little bit as well. How does this Jaguars offense match up uh, with the Chiefs defense and Travis Etienne coming off a big game in the wild card round? Yeah, I want to see. Jaguar is only 20th in offensive rushing DVOA. I, I always feel like there's a little bit of meat left on the bone with ETN. I do not understand why they do not prioritize him as a pass catcher. But I don't think you want to go into Kansas City and ask Lawrence to win the game on his own and, and throw 45 passes. And certainly concerned about the Chiefs, more of an offensive thing with Andy Reid. But um, just that he's so good after a bye week. They've obviously been rested. They weren't exposed last week. I also am concerned that teams that have comeback wins like the Jaguars – had last week yeah. they're generally really really obvious fades the next week especially when you have a team that if you gave them truth serum they'd probably say yeah hey you know this is the first step to hopefully a, a really nice you know four or five year window we have our franchise quarterback we made the playoffs I, I don't think internally they really believe they're going to the super bowl or anything like that so i'm i'm concerned this game could maybe get out of hand early a key for jacksonville to me is is it needs to be balanced on offense and we need to have Travis Etienne. I, if they're going to win this game or compete in this game, I think Travis Etienne has to play well. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. 2.9 yards after uh, contact per attempt in the wild card round. I thought, um, obviously, they got him rolling on the big fourth down play. He, he's he's really fun when he when he's uh, operating at his peak. They have a lot of fun players when they're operating at their peaks here in Jacksonville. But I'm, I'm kind of with you. Obviously, you mentioned Andy Reid's record coming off a of bye week. <laughs> it's 28-4. and four record after buys that's that's nuts man it's nuts he's been rolling for this long and and not a fluke right like we know andy's great we know why like it's not one of those like weird trend stats where you're like this makes no sense whatever full moon on a thursday whatever no it's because andy (laughs) reed's awesome and man this is this this chief's offense i don't i don't really know how they did it this year i'll be honest like i look at this chief's offense and i'm like they're you know number one across the board how they have Obviously, greatest, yeah. the baddest dude on the planet at quarterback. Kelsey's amazing still, although, you know, long time without a touchdown for him. And who else? Who's who's the Chiefs' third best offensive player right now? I mean, not counting linemen, I guess. Juju? McKinnon? I don't think any of us really believe in McKinnon. Like, it's it's impressive what they've done on offense. But they do it. They're just that good because Andy, because of Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey. Well, Scott, that's a good that's a good transition into your spotlight about McKinnon because I think we've talked about a lot about McKinnon on the podcast and how how essential he's been to this offense. Yeah, to piggyback what Frank was saying, I mean, if, if you had been in Tibet all year and you come back like, okay, Chiefs are number one seed, Mahomes is basically the MVP elect. Who 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 went along with them for the ride? Kelsey had a great year, but it wasn't like it, it doesn't look different than other Kelsey seasons. But who is the third amigo in this offense? It's not Juju. McKinnon's been unbelievable for fantasy. Again, if I told you McKinnon had one touchdown into December, if I said, okay, you know, don't worry, keep playing for fantasy, he's going to win your league for you because he's scored nine times in the next six games, uh, most of them through touchdown catches, which are the last thing you expect from a running back, right? But they've he's kind of turned into that, what they were using Hardman for a lot. It's just that easy button to press when they get in close. And last year, remember, McKinnon didn't have much of a regular season, but he was actually a really impactful player for them in the playoffs. And right now, I think it's fair to say he's their most important running back. Pacheco's been okay. They may get Edward Zolaire back at some point in the playoffs. But I'm in some playoff contests where I'm going to be playing McKinnon with a fair level of confidence this week because I, they've shown you when teams teams don't tell you the truth. They do what they do on the field, and you that's how they speak to you. And the way they've used McKinnon in the last six weeks and the way it's been so successful, and especially because they're scheming up plays that are jerk McKinnon touchdowns. That, that's part of their offense now. i got to figure he gets in the box again this week, and I'm going to, fantasy-wise and, and prop-wise, I'm going to play that appropriately. Yeah, McKinnon has been awesome. And the Jaguars sneakily do have the fourth best pressure rate on the season. Um, you know, Josh Allen, good player up front. They've gotten moments out of Trayvon Walker. And I feel like the trusty aspect of McKinnon's game, like I, I love that not only did you mention, Scott, that he was hot to finish this season, like this last season, last postseason was really when the McKinnon stuff started, that he was going to be that sort of trusted uh, passing down back, but then just took on more and more and more uh, as the postseason rolled along. This certainly feels like a moment where we could see like McKinnon's highest snap rate of the season. Again, Pacheco has been good. Pacheco's got Pacheco brings a lot of pop as a first and second down runner. Um, but so does McKinnon. We pointed this out on the podcast uh, all year long uh, that McKinnon gets work on first and second down, both as a receiver and as a rusher. I could see this being a big game for him. Uh, Frank, what's your spotlight uh, for this game? Yeah, and real quick, just to add to that, we really were debating Patrick Mahomes as MVP when the third best player on his offense is Jerick McKinnon. Really? Like yeah, that's right, what we're doing? Right. Like what? <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, that he's, he should win unanimously. And he actually probably will. 
Yeah. I, I look at the Jaguar side of this and look, I mean, Zay Jones, we know he's kind of almost in a funny way, boomer bust. Like, what's, what are we getting out of Zay Jones? Is it one catch for 10 yards or is he going for 100 and a touchdown? The Chiefs did really well against the slot this year. Didn't give up a ton to tight ends. Didn't give up a ton to running backs. But they did give up a lot to outside receivers. And that's why I think this is the boom play for Zay Jones. You know, somebody like the Jaguars are going to get their yard. They're going to get some points. And I think this is a Jones week. I think this is huge for him to have a big game because I think the Chiefs can kind of contain everybody else. So if the Jaguars are going to stay in this game, they're going to cover the spread. They're going to give us an upset possibility. I think it's because Zay Jones has one of those, hey, he had 114 yards and two touchdowns type of game. So we know he's capable of because he seems to do it every third week. So that to me is a huge key to this game. And I think he, I think he comes through. I think Zay has a really nice game here. Another reason why you can play Jaguar props with confidence is how narrow, how concentrated this offense is, right? They do use one running back. They use two, basically primarily two receivers and they use a tight end. Lawrence will run a little bit and because he's so big and athletic, moves really well for a guy who's six foot six, doesn't really look like that when he when he's running. But um, we know where the ball's going in Jacksonville. And that's in a year where so many teams, so many offenses have been either too scattered or not productive enough. I mean, Jacksonville was one of the right fantasy answers this year. If you draft into any of their major players, right? I mean, James Robinson, I guess, wasn't really an early pick anyway. Yeah. But ETN hit, Lawrence hit, Kirk hit, Jones hit, and Ingram, you had to wait for it. But he ended up being one of the best answers at tight end. Now, whether to other team, there were more right answers on the Jaguars for fantasy than there were with the Chiefs this year, which is just absurd to say out loud. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, and it's all the discounts, man, for Jacksonville, that was great. And uh, the Zay Jones thing is a good one uh, because the Chiefs perimeter coverage has been a little questionable. And it, it, it makes me think of like the, a couple of those plays against the Cowboys uh, in, in that upset for Jacksonville. Like Zay Jones put the double moves on the outside. Now, the Chiefs, while they might have perimeter coverage problems, they probably won't have like somebody as questionable as Kelvin Joseph out there like <laughs> when the when the Dallas Cowboys did, Frank. But I do like that call a lot. Uh, as Zay Jones on the double moves outside, that should be pretty uh, crucial in this game. I'll spotlight somebody because we're talking about who's the who's the third best player on uh, on the on the Chiefs offense. I am not a Kadarius Tony bro. There's a ton of Tony bros out there, um, but I do think he is an interesting player to think about in this game. He's gotten a target or a rush attempt on 21% of his snaps in the final three weeks of the regular season. Basically what that means is like he's not out there a ton, but when he's out there, they're looking to get him the ball. And it's mostly been in like gadget ways. You know, he's running a lot of uh, Mickey Mouse routes. You know, he's not running the big boy like downfield type of stuff. I wonder if we see more of that in this week. But even if we don't, you know, there's not any like props on him out there right now. I know he's 14 bucks in Yahoo Daily Fantasy. But um, if you are looking for sort of like a guy who could pop in a big moment here, I, again, I, I don't think he ever will be. And I don't think he will be in this game like a real legit outside receiver or anything like that but as a gadget guy you know with McCole Hardman apparently he's struggling through a pelvis injury or, or whatever's going on with McCole Hardman I think uh Kadarius Tony could be a guy who pops in this game I, I agree with that I, I mean I think when the trade happened we, everybody had kind of the same reaction of oh this is really an interesting fit like this could yeah. pop, like Kadarius Tony could milk a hamstring injury for the rest of the season too or yeah. he could be a real factor in the playoffs and I think like, yeah I, I mean as we talked about with who are the Chiefs' options? Well, uh, that's why you manufacture stuff for Tony. I really like that call. Yeah, I think he's definitely a guy that could get those manufactured touches. Would love to see somebody emerge as like an outside receiver on this team. You know, you got Juju as like a primary big slot type of guy. You got Kelsey at tight end. You got a gadget guy in Tony. You got a like a gadget pass catching back. And just imagine when they get uh, 
they get like a a legit outside receiver, whoever that might be. You know, it's not Justin Watson. It's not NVS, uh, but we shall see what happens in the future for the Chiefs. But let's stay on this game. Let's pick this one. Scott, you get a starter. What's your pick for this one? Yeah, you know, with Andy Reid off a bye, with the Jaguars 26th in defensive DVOA, 30th in pass defense DVOA, and and maybe just, you know, their season hit their ceiling last week with the comeback win over the Chargers. It feels like it ends here. If you don't feel confident a team is going to pull off the upset, it's hard to take the points. Frank and I were talking about this um, off off screen backstage. I hate laying big points with favorites in the regular season. And part of it is because the season is so long and there's so much emotional ebb and flow that every once in a while, a big favorite just isn't up for a game for whatever reason, because it's just hard to be up for every game during that 17 week season. Not that never happens in the playoffs because everything is so critical and magnified. There's the urgency there. I, I think the chiefs win this one in a route. I, again, I'm not a big regular season. I'm not big giving away big spreads. And I get that Kansas city has been a horrible bet against the spread for about 10 weeks now, but I think they win by double digits and I'm going to lay the points with Kansas city. And last week we got two big favorites, right? We got San Francisco and we got, um, and not, not and sort of what was, what was the line for Seattle by the end of it? They were plus eight and a half, like pretty yeah, similar nine, to this. Somewhere in there. Yeah. 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 Something around there, but we got two pretty big favorites, 49ers. They covered the spread. Uh, and then we got the damn, uh, bills. They couldn't get that done. So you got sort of like a, a little, uh, each one, one on each side of the equation there, Scott. But I still I, don't know um, how Miami made that game close. Cause it's not like their offense played well. So I mean, weird. the bills so just like handed them a bunch of points. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about why they get that game close here when we get to the Buffalo Bills game. But uh, Frank, what's your pick? I, I love the Jaguars here, and I hate being against Scott on anything. But I just look at this Jaguars team, and it is throwing off so many 2021 Bengals vibes to me. You got the team that's mm. hot late in the year; they've won six in a row. The ascending quarterback. Look, I, I know people aren't watching the Jaguars week in a week out, but Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. I get, yeah, four interceptions right away last week, not ideal, but for him to stay in that game. 24-year-old guy in the first playoff game to throw four touchdowns after that and bring his team all the way back. I get Make all the Chargers look luck. Trevor Lawrence still had a lot to do with that. Other quarterbacks would have wilted in that spot. I thought it was huge for him to come back there. I think I think Trevor can keep him in this game, and I do believe, I, like Scott said, if, if you take the points, usually you have to think that this team has a shot to win, and I do. I actually think the Jag, I think we are going to look up in the fourth quarter, and we're going to be like, whoa, the Jaguars got the ball. It's four minutes left but they're down three points what are we watching here they're gonna pull off this upset because i think that they can take advantage of that chief's defense i think their defense maybe can just a, a big player too we're not asking to stop patrick mahomes that ain't happening but maybe you get a couple tide turning plays I, I and i think with the jaguars i think they've been playing really good the only bad game they've had was at the lions and i mean i'm talking recently since our bye week there's no shame yeah. in losing to the lions i mean, we saw the lions late in the year that was a good yeah. football team the key for me last week the Jacksonville Jaguars, as an underdog, won a playoff game when they were minus five in turnover differential. Turnover differential, that ain't going to happen every week, right? This is just right. a team that that overcame. They played really, really well. I think you had a lot of confidence going, and I love the Jaguars. I love them at eight and a half. Like, like Scott said, yes, it does change in the playoffs. I, I totally agree with him there. But this Chiefs team is still one that doesn't cover a lot of spreads. They get overinflated in the market. I love the Jaguars here. I'll, I'll, I'll be on the points for sure, and I'll, I'll take some on the money line too just in case. Yeah, I mean, those are all really good points. And and I love your comparison to the 2021 Bengals. And it's a the, hey, it's it's good to have the number one pick. It's good to get like a franchise changing <laughs> right. quarterback, you know. <laughs> and I think obviously teams are gonna be a bidding like crazy for the number one pick potentially this year. Um, I don't know that there's a Joe Burrow, I don't know that there's a Trevor Lawrence in this year's draft. I don't really know anything about that, but um, 
it's just when you can get that guy like and I love some of the sounders that came out of Lawrence like you know saying hey there's not like a 27 point play like we just got to go you know we got to go play by play here just keeping the guys cool like I agree with you Frank that was a huge testament to Trevor Lawrence I'm gonna bet against Trevor Lawrence here I'm gonna go with the the Chiefs uh, as well Scott I just think they're so well-rounded. Andy Reid coming off a bye, as you mentioned, they should be extremely prepared here. But it's no slight to Jacksonville, who I don't think – do I think they're a Super Bowl contender? Do I think they're a real threat there? No, probably not. Um, but at the same time, they are a legit playoff team. They deserve to be here. They have clear-cut roster strengths and not a lot of like, oh, man, that is a glaring, glaring hole. The offense is pretty solid when it could get rolling. The defense has its strengths as well. They're a legit playoff team, but I think at the end of the day, the Chiefs are just a better team. I will take the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, I know you here. can only beat the teams on your schedule. And, and like, I, I'm, I'm pro Jags, Jaguars, right? I'm pro Trevor Lawrence. I'm so glad that in a year and in a league that desperately needs quarterbacks to, to come through, we, we need this class. His his class has been such a mess, right? We don't know if Trey Lance can play. Mac Jones is backslid. Zach Wilson, nobody wants to talk about. Justin <laughs> Fields has no help in Chicago. We need Trevor Lawrence to be great, and yeah. he looks like he's going to be. Yeah, but this run they've had, it's still two wins over the Titans who really have nothing left to give. They beat Zach Wilson and the Jets in a game where it felt like the Jets could have played for 10 hours and they wouldn't have scored a touchdown. There was a Houston win in there. And then last week, yes, did they win minus five in turnovers? Yes. But if I told you before the season, uh, who's the playoff team that will blow a 27 nothing lead in the playoffs? I think everybody comes up with the Chargers <laughs> like, right away. Is Matt Ryan in the playoffs? No? Well, that is the Chargers. Yeah. yeah. yeah so it's right, going yeah. to be one or two. It's either the Colts or the Chargers. So, um, you know, the Chargering has become a verb. We all know that. So uh, what a lot of people are going to do, if you think the Chiefs win, you should think a big favorite's going to win, but the spread has you turned off. You could tease the, the, tease that's the Chiefs. Another, with, Scott, that's another reason I like the Jaguars. Admit, which person in the world isn't going to be on that Chiefs, probably Eagles teaser, right? Like right. That, it's, America's, that's America's it's America's teaser. teaser. It's, America's teaser. it's America's teaser. And I'll admit, it's squ as square as it is. That tease is so square, it's divisible by four. But I punched it on Wednesday. <laughs> I get it. I just, I hate that one. I know everybody's going to be on the same Yeah, teaser. it's true. It's true. Yeah, think of the worst gambler you know and what they're betting on. Don't bet that. Usually good advice, but I'm, uh, I'm falling <laughs> into that trap this week. Hey, man, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and again, uh, it's a good point, Scott, about the Jag strengths of schedule, everything like that. Uh, I think we'll see if they're really worth the, the challenge here with this one. Hey, last week, we called the Giants-Vikings game the Fraud Bowl. Well, the Giants win the Fraud Bowl, although... Yeah, maybe it's recency bias, Scott. I'm like, uh, I'm feeling a little bit better about the Giants. Obviously, they win the Fraud Bowl, but you know, maybe they sort of deserve to be here. Maybe they're like a bit, a bit, a bit of like the Jaguars, right? You know that they've they've got clear roster strengths, but tougher test this week. Giants at Eagles. The Eagles are seven and a half point favorites, forty eight over under. Let's start with those Giants when they have the ball again. Scott Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley coming off excellent days. But that's against the Vikings defense. And the Vikings defense is, as we say in the business, not good. <laughs> I, I, I'm at the point now where I think you know, the three of us and maybe eight other Yahoo employees could, could put up 400 yards on that Vikings defense. And the Giants had already seen them too, which I think ended up helping the Giants more than it helped the Vikings in that rematch game. I'm all in on Brian Dable. I, I think Daniel Jones is the most important improved player in the NFL, certainly the most improved quarterback that I can think of. Because, you know, I mean, the Trevor Lawrence ascension, we all kind of thought that was plausible. I don't know anybody who's banging the table for Daniel Jones before the season. The Giants didn't even pick up his option. Now he's become yeah, a guy they have to keep. But what this game to me is going to come down to, uh, obviously quarterback play is huge in the NFL. And we'll get to Hurts a little bit because he's a little bit of a wild card off his recent form. But 
Jones has been so so much of his improvement has been the pocket navigation. We know he's a great runner. He had a fumbling problem early in his career. He's wiped that out. He had the lowest interception rate in the league this year. But here come the Eagles with four different double-digit sack guys. It's it's not like you're like, okay, we got we got just, you know, chip and double on this one guy. You don't know who's gonna get there, but they all get there. They have a party at the pocket. And I'm just afraid. That asking this, I really struggled with this game against the spread. By the way, although I did come come down with America's tease, we'll get to that in a, in a second. As I we we did talk about that in the earlier game, but if the Giants win this game, it, it, Jones has to play out of his mind. We have to be like, oh my god, uh, give Jones like yeah. whatever contract he wants tomorrow, or give it to him tonight. Because, and I think maybe he can do that. I'm, I'm a believer in Dable. They've made this receiver room work. I, Isaiah Hodgins, what a pickup, right? I mean, Buffalo tries to sneak him on the practice squad, and Dable's like, wait a minute, I know that guy. He can play, and our receivers are kind of sketchy. Get him over here. And he looks like their best receiver right now. I mean, when's, the, when's the last time that's ever happened, right? A, a waiver yeah. wire pickup? That's a fantasy story. That's not an NFL story, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's happened. Uh, but it's, you know, Jones, again, in a year where so many quarterbacks went bad, it was just so nice to have Lawrence pop. It was so nice to have Geno Smith pop and Jared Goff be playable. And and Daniel Jones is right near the top of that list. I, I think there were only like seven or eight right answers for fantasy this year at quarterback. Daniel Jones was one of them. I, he's he's become the Giants' priority. He's going to get, no matter what he does in this game, even if he falls on his face, I think he's going to get a big bag of money and, and deservedly so, or if nothing else, the franchise tag. That's what it comes down to. He needs to navigate that pocket cleanly, make good decisions, and they need to keep the Giants' offensive line has gelled very nicely the final quarter of the season. Can they keep that diverse Philadelphia pass rush at bay? Frank, Giants? Yeah, I mean, everything Scott said. I, and the problem I had when he was talking about I, I totally agree that Daniel Jones has to play out of his mind for them to win this game, but I just can't see that happening. Like, we're going back to last year. I could see Trevor Lawrence doing that. I don't know that I could see Daniel Jones doing it. Again, I think Daniel Jones made strides, of course, but this, man, those receivers. I, I just, how how are they going to beat this Philly defense consistently? I just don't see a way. I, I, and Brian Dayball's proven me wrong basically all year. I mean, he, he can scheme it up. He can get these guys in advantageous situations, but mm, it, it's hard for me to believe that this Giants defense, or this Giants offense really goes nuts against the Eagles defense. Remember, Eagles defense, uh, number one past DVOA, 21st run DVOA. Mm. So Saquon Barkley still, he's had a good year. He still doesn't remind me of like rookie year Barkley or early career Barkley, but he's got, he's got to be involved in this game too. I, I can't imagine the Giants are competitive in this game if Barkley isn't around 100 total yards. Yeah, he had that, I mean, he Barkley had that lull, like what I mean, or late November, early December. You're like, okay, he's hitting a wall a little bit. And then he just bounced back. He looks, he looks reborn, really. Yeah, hey, rest is a, uh... Rest can be a good thing. <laughs> Week 18 rest. Uh, Saquon Barkley looks incredible in the wild card round. Um, that's a great point. I think that they have to get a lot out of Barkley if they're going to pull this upset off, I, even though Daniel Jones obviously has to play out of his mind as well. Um, yeah, I definitely I definitely get spooked a little bit when you think about Evan Neal, who I think will be a good player in time, but has had really rough moments in his rookie year. I mean, you need to look no farther than the guy that he's playing across from at left tackle. Andrew Thomas had some really rough moments to start his career. Now he's like an all-pro stud left tackle. So that can be Evan Neal's career story. But all those pass rushers that you mentioned that the Eagles can throw at you, potentially getting some rookie mistakes out of Evan Neal and then compounding those mistakes with the Daniel Jones mistake. You could see that. We talked about Isaiah Hodgins. Dude, Hodgins can play, man. I, I really think he's. Yeah. Key. I'll talk about him in, in the spotlight. Like I, I think that was just a inspired pickup by Dayball by Joe Shane. Um, and I know we're throwing a lot of uh, flowers at Brian Dayball, and deservedly so. 
I think it'll be a tight race for coach of the year, but I think he definitely, if he wins it, you'll get no arguments from me. Mike Kafka, the actual play caller of this team, that was one of the best moves that, that Brian Dayball made was, hey, I don't, this isn't like my college buddy or whatever, but I'm going to go pluck him from a different scheme just because I like what they do and I'm going to make him the play caller. I'm going to get my hands off that duty. Kafka's been incredible scheming this thing up. That I and I think he if he gets a head coaching job just off this run here with the Giants it, again you'll get no argument from me and same on the defensive side to transition this too. Wink Martindale's not like again not a Brian Dayball guy. Um, they both look like two dudes that would just be at the end of the bar. Uh, Wink <laughs> Martindale and Brian Dayball like just every man type of fellas there. Um, with Wink Martindale wearing the smallest hats on planet Earth. Uh, but hey, credit to Wink Martindale, a great hire by Brian Dayball. They went incredibly zone heavy and passive. Like didn't send a ton of the typical blitzing that you see out of Wink Martindale's defense at Kirk Cousins. Mostly to um, account for the fact that they're going to, you know, have to zone coverage and bracket up and cloud coverage Justin Jefferson. Do we see something similar there, Frank, uh, with Wink Martindale and how they defend Jalen Hurts and, and A.J. Brown and all the guys that, that the Eagles can throw at you? No, I think they go. I think Justin Jefferson's an exception. And I think you see Wink go right back to the blitzing. That's who they are. That's their identity. That's what they're going to do. They blitz however many percentage points ahead of the rest of the league. Like they are just a blitz heavy team. And I think for one week, you had to do that. And I think it threw the Vikings off. And, uh, you know, they, they really struggled to get Jefferson involved. But I, I just, I don't know that they changed our identity in the playoffs because of that game. I, I think that was just the exception. They get right back. They're going to try to force Jalen Hurts into some mistakes. Hope he's rusty. I don't think he will be. I think Jalen's going to be just fine. Uh, he's played well all year. Why doubt it now? It looks like he's healthy. I, I do think we're going to see. I think we're going to see the Giants get back to their aggressive ways. And I think we're going to see Philly try to hit some big plays on it and say, okay, we know what you're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Who can stop it? So I, I think we're, I think the, the, the green light is there for the Eagles to hit some really, really big plays in the past game. Yeah. You know, I want to, I did pick the giants against the spread, although I am on that tease we talked about, but the thing that ultimately shaded me to taking the points is just the fact that hurts his last two games. And I realized like that the Chicago game was a while ago and it's always hard to know what to take from that Week 18 game. And these teams play. The Giants put out their junior varsity. They somehow get the game competitive. But the bottom line is Hurts didn't play well his last two games. Uh, he had uh, no touchdown passes. He had multiple interceptions, quarterback rating in the 60s, you know, back of envelope stat, but whatever, we'll use it. And now he's maybe a little dinged up. He's off. It's always the thing where you want the number one seed, you want the week off, but then you come back that first week. Sometimes that first quarter can be kind of sketchy. I almost think if you are a Giants backer in this game, I, I very, with trepidantly, you'll pick the Giants. I'm not going to bet on them against the spread. But if you were going to do that, I think maybe like a first quarter or first half Giants pick might make more sense. I could see maybe the Eagles do what the Niners do where last week where they, they kind of let Seattle hang around. Seattle's leading at halftime and San Francisco just totally blows them off the field in the second half. I can see this game having that shape. If the Giants are going to win, it's going to be because Hertz was either rusty or not confident. I wonder why did they not throw the ball? I talked about ETN not being used as a pass catcher. They've totally stopped throwing the ball to Miles Sanders. I don't know if that's a Hertz thing because he's so dynamic as a runner. He had under Sanders had under 100 receiving yards this year, which took me by surprise. Wild, it shows you yeah. I didn't draft enough Miles Sanders this year. And I certainly think the Giants are going to, as they did last week with Jefferson, they're going to do everything they can to make sure AJ Brown just doesn't take this game and and just destroy it on its own. But how Hurts plays. If, if Hurts is like MVP candidate Hurts, or if he's like, oh, he hasn't really played a full game or a meaningful game in like three or four weeks Hurts, that's going to be the big rubber hits the road moment for me. Uh, Frank, what's your spotlight for this game? 
Yeah, I just think this is a big game, big spot for the Eagles running backs. I think they're going to get this running game going. We've seen Nick Sirianni turn to the running game, especially last season. They can do that. And I just look when I think about game script and how this game's going to go. I mean, not to give away my pick, but I'm going to be on the Eagles. I think it's going to be a blowout. So you're going to have a chance for Miles Sanders. I mean, his over under right now, 66 and a half. I think he smashes that. We all know Boston Scott, Giants killer, right? We've heard about, I think he gets involved too. I, I just, I, I just think there's a game where they're not going to want to expose Hurts that much. They're, they're not going to play scared. I don't think they're not going to try to put him in saran wrap or plastic wrap or whatever to keep him safe against the blitzes. But you also don't want him throwing 45 times either. I, I think that this is a game where they, they take a run heavy approach. And I think that there's, there's yards to be had. I think Miles Sanders has a big game. I think others contribute. I think it's a big game for the Eagles run game. Uh, whether it's they're just dynamic out of the gate, like they were against the Packers uh, when they ran for 8 million yards or whatever that was on a Sunday night, or just in the second half they're up 17 points and they just let those guys seal the game. Yeah, I think all, a lot of different paths for that one to hit. I, I like that. Uh, for my spotlight, again, I'll mention just Isaiah Hodgins. I think the dude, I, I don't know how, like, I don't know how the rest of his career is going to play out, but I definitely think he can ball. And like, you don't just step onto the field, as you mentioned, Scott, you don't just step onto the field and become like the best receiver on the team. If your fundamentals aren't tight, if your technique's not tight, if you're um, spacing against zone coverage and, and you know, the ability to sit down and make yourself open, uh, you don't get on the field if you, if you can't do that stuff. And he's certainly proven that um, another testament to Brian Dayball, by the way, that they didn't mess around with like, Oh, Kenny Galladay has got a big contract. Let's make that work. Like Gary's right. Tony, former first round pick. Let's make that work. It's like, nah, we don't care about that. Like, we'll just get the best players on the field. And that has definitely been uh, what Hodges has been for them. Also, I think this is a big Daniel Jones rush game. So if you're looking for a prop, he's 44 and a half right now from a rushing guard standpoint. Daniel Jones, I, I think he gets at least 50 in this one. He had six for 59 as a scrambler alone last week. Uh, but let's get into our picks. We've spoiled them a little bit here. But Scott, deliver your final hand ha- hammer here on America's Tees. Yeah, I, I want people to take that tease, the two favorites on Saturday. I lean Giants against the spread, but that's only, you know, I'll do that in my pools. I'm not going to bet a penny on it. Isn't it sad, by the way, you mentioned Kenny Galladay. I've never seen a receiver get praised as much for like one or two blocks in a game like Kenny Galladay was. Because people just, <laughs> they feel so bad for him. They want to see something nice Dude, about him. The, um, the NFL account tweeted it out. Like they tweeted out a highlight of him blocking and being like, look at, Ken, look at Kenny G throwing yeah, those blocks. All, all, all of a sudden, Kenny Galladay is, is Joe Thomas or you know, John Hanna or Anthony Munoz at their peak. Oh, okay, right. that's good to know. Yeah, good to yeah. know. America's tease, man. That's what I'm really on here. I'm on the Chiefs of the Eagles. Um, square as it may be. Uh, Frank, I know you spoiled a little bit, uh, but you are on the Eagles here. Yeah, I just, I, I think the Eagles rested. One stat that just keeps coming up in my mind, the Eagles are 14-1 when Jalen Hurts is a quarterback. This is a really, really good football team. I know they lulled a little bit late in the year. Some of that was Hurts injury related. Not all of it, but I just think that they're rested. They're just better. They're just better. The Giants have had this dream season, dream first season for Dayball, right? They make the playoffs where nobody expected it, win their first playoff game since Eli beat Brady in a Super Bowl. It's it's house money for them at this point. I just think that they've kind of come to the end of the road, and and, and this great run for them ends. I think the Eagles just. I, I really there's. I just think it's a blowout. I, I don't think the Giants can really stay with them. Although, and look, the Giants are playing really well. They're really well coached. Getting better late in the year. Maybe this is the one pick I make that just looks really really dumb. But I, I just I don't see how the Giants keep this within seven and a half. I would be happy to be wrong about the Giants here because I've been happy to be wrong about them all year long. Um, They are, I I love a well-coached team, a smooth operation when everything comes together like this, but I'm with you, Frank. I'm on the Eagles as well. And it comes back to what 
you said and what we were talking about with the the Giants defense and Wink Martindale, and I think he, you know, the Tiger goes back to his stripes here a little bit, and there's man coverage, there's blitz-heavy stuff, and, you know, if you're going to dedicate extra resources to to stopping A.J. Brown, you're going to man up with A.J. Brown, he's going to, he can still crush you. But that's going to leave Devontae Smith over in isolated coverage. They got Dallas Goddard back healthy. Those tight end screens on Dallas with Dallas Goddard are a great way to beat the blitz. They're a great way to beat man coverage. And then it comes back to the run game, as you highlighted as well, Frank. I just think the Eagles have so many different ways they can get over on this defense. And I don't know that I see the Giants being able to hang here from a, a points perspective. The pass rush the Eagles can throw at you. So I'm on the Eagles here, and I feel it's probably my most confident pick uh, of the four games. So... That's why you know the Giants will win the game. All right, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hit the last two games of the divisional round. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, we're back. Bengals at Bills. We're going to get the full game here. Bills minus five and a half, 48 and a half over under. Let's talk about when the Bengals have the ball. Scott, I would argue that this Bengals offensive line, it's definitely the biggest talking point for them uh, coming into this game. I'd argue this might be worse than the group that they took to the Super Bowl last year, which we all talked about as a big problem. Burrow was only blitzed on 10% of his dropbacks, was still under a good bit of pressure, 5.8 yards per attempt under pressure against Baltimore. Jackson Carmen is just a, you can't trust that guy out there. You can't trust a lot of these replacements they got out there, uh, Scott. It's a big problem for Cincinnati right now. Yeah, it's, it's probably the biggest element in this game is can Cincinnati Generally, the idea with offensive lines when you have problems is that you can mask the issues more in the passing game than running game. If you don't have a good offensive line, you will not run block. But maybe you can do some creative things in the passing game and with your pass blocking. And this is the Bengals coaches are really have their work cut out for them here. I don't know how they won last week. 234 yards of offense. I mean, I know how they won. They got the crazy, you know, a turnover <laughs> yeah. at their at their goal line and ran it back. You just was one of those once in a lifetime plays, right? Like the James Harrison play in the Super Bowl. Although I guess the what the um, the Bills had one against Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago too. They had a run back of 101 yards. Buffalo was going to win that game anyway, but Baltimore has to feel like, man, we had that game. That game was in our hip pocket, and between that turnover and then running an offense like the 11 guys on offense had never played together before in the final. It, apparently, playing with your backup quarterback turns your offense. It, it just goes kablooey in the final two minutes. We saw Miami struggle with that, and they they were in that Buffalo game, and then they couldn't get a playoff. I, I wonder if McDaniel was calling the calculus plays when he should have been calling the Algebra 2 plays or whatever. Just, you know, simplify it, man. We got to get a snap off before the play clock I was going to say, how about call a play? How about call a yeah, play? Nice. What's more nice. frustrating? When you see that play clock running down, and most of the time you're like, oh, they got this. They know this. They're just going to snap it right at the, you know, right at the zero or whatever, and they get the benefit of the doubt. But they look so discombobulated. Like, no, they, this, play's not, this play has no chance of being run. And even if it is run, it, it's probably going to be dead on arrival. That was really frustrating. But it's just disappointing to me. It's sad to me, frustrating. We, we all know what happened when Buffalo and Cincinnati played the last time and DeMar Hamlin's awful injury in that moment that everybody shared in real time. And it's so inspiring to see Hamlin not only improving physically, but just using it as a moment to unify everybody and then using it for his celebrity for good and all that. I mean, that's, that's a great kumbaya moment for the NFL, and we need stuff like that. 
But unfortunately, now the Bengals finally get this game. They have to play it on the road. They can't protect Burrow. This is a team that needs an intermediate and deep passing game to do what they do. And I don't think they're going to be confident with if I were Burrow you know, we talked about like Tom Brady wanting to get rid of the ball I mean Joe Burrow will take the hits to set up a play but man he he got beaten up last week and Buffalo's defense I, I know it can be leaky at times in the secondary because they've had injuries and obviously Hamlin's not a part of it now but I used to see Burrow getting sacked four or five times in this game and that's a huge problem now I still might pick Cincinnati when we get to that segment because Buffalo has issues too but I don't see how the offensive line for the Bengals is going to give them a great chance. This spread has gone up the whole week, right? I don't know exactly what it opened up at, but it's it's gone to five and a half. I wouldn't even be surprised if it went higher before kickoff because I don't think anybody's confident Joe Burrow is going to be standing for three hours. Frank, how are we feeling about the the Bengals offense right now? I mean, that's it's just I you hate the cluster injuries. I, I mean, you lose an offensive lineman, yeah, it stinks. But usually, you know, I mean, we're seeing that with the Cowboys. The Cowboys lose Jason Peters. They're going to be able to shuffle things and be fine. You start talking about three? Uh, all right, now, now you're really a critical mass. That is the one thing that worries me about the Bengals in this game. But if any team knows how to make a Super Bowl, the bad offensive line is the Cincinnati Bengals. They did it last year, so maybe they can adjust. It's the one factor in this game that if that wasn't on the board, if we didn't have to worry about that, I'd be really, really confident in the Bengals' ability to, to just kind of move the ball up and down. And I know the Bills had statistically a really, really good defense in, in the regular season. Maybe they're missing Von Miller a little bit, but this just isn't it isn't that defense that that we saw maybe early in the year. I think I think the Bengals are gonna be fine. And I just have this kind of weird blind faith that the they'll figure it out on the offensive line. God, man, I haven't thought about Von Miller in a minute, and this would be a good time for that signing to be paying off right yeah, now. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that, that would be this would be a good time for that. Um, let's move to when the Bills have the ball. And, and Scott, we talked about why why was Miami able to keep it close? Uh, Josh Allen, bro, settle down, man. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, it's just like the, the entire offense is is structured around Josh Allen, and I don't know if he's like taken on too much of that pressure at this point. But it's like he has to. It feels like he has to play hero ball every single second. It feels like he's run every drive is like a two minute drive for Josh Allen. He's trying to go win a game, but it, it every every drive is not like that. Last week, fifteen percent sack rate against the Miami Dolphins, and we talk a lot about the the Bengals offensive line. I think it's definitely a bigger problem. The Bills have offensive line issues that Miami was able to take uh, take advantage of last week. Definitely just not getting the ball, not getting to the scramble fast enough. 15.6 air yards per target last week. We're, we're back at this point where Allen is not taking those checkdowns, um, and that could be a problem. I, I don't know that the Bengals will play Josh Allen the same way they played Tyler Huntley last week. They blitzed Huntley on 50%, 50% of his dropbacks last week. I don't think we see that, but you know, Lou Anarumo can certainly – he could certainly devise a great game plan, Frank. You know, he could certainly devise something to keep right. this um, offense, you know, in chaos mode. And unfortunately, I think Josh Allen just really is. He's he could turn around at any point. He's a great player. And I'm not even saying that he's playing poorly, but he is playing too chaotic. That is for sure. Yeah, I, I honestly just don't like what I've seen out of the Bills lately. And this is somebody I picked up to win the Super Bowl. I have some future bets that I would really like to cash on the Bills. But I look at this team and it's just not special lately. And a big part of the reason is Josh Allen. He's, he just hasn't really been great since that elbow injury. And last week, we just seemed like that, whatever, here, here you go. Here's an interception. Here's a fumble. Like, it just seemed like they were yeah. so disjointed in that game. And just, he gets loose with the ball a lot of times. And 
if Dak threw some of the interceptions he threw, it'd be a week-long crisis uh, across our That's nation. But Dak Prescott's got to be banned from the NFL because he's so terrible. Josh Allen throws it. You're like, oh, there, there goes gunslinger Josh. Like, he's got to be better with the football if they're going to win this game, much less win a Super Bowl. I, I just worry about – and I think it comes – I mean, this is something you guys have talked about all season, and I've obviously noticed too. This offense is so weirdly reliant on two guys. It's Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. There's nothing else. I get Dawson Knox is on a touchdown heater. Devin Singletary is a fine back. James Cook can make some plays. Gabe has his games every here and there. But they're just so reliant on, on Allen to Diggs that it just puts so much pressure on Allen that I, I, I just don't know that this is a, a great situation for him to succeed because once you start to put that pressure on yourself, you start to force it. You start to turn it over. You, that kind of cascades on you a bit. So I have a lot of questions about this Bills team uh, on offense, on defense. Maybe I'd reverse jinx it so these these Super Bowl picks get through. But, yeah, it's just not the – we expected the Bills to be a special team, and they're just not right now. And a lot of that is just this offense is – it's strangely constructed. It's just weird to see Josh Allen get sacked seven times in any game, and he's had this turnover problem lately. I, my friend and uh, breakfast table colleague Mike Salfino says he's, he's doing a lot of what Favre would do when Favre was still a good player, but he wasn't a perfect player with like the no, 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 yes throws and the yes, 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 no throws. Allen's been kind of a carnival ride and it it's a challenge for the Bills. They need to win four games to win the Super Bowl. They didn't get the number one seed. Can Allen play four clean games? Didn't play a clean game last week. He gave a Miami team that really had no right being competitive in that game. That was a one-score game. I think everybody thought once Buffalo got ahead 17-0, okay, you can basically end this one now, put Miami on the bus, this game's over, and it was anything but that. And it was really because Buffalo left so many points on the field, so many negative plays. I wish I liked the Bengals' defense a little bit more. I, I wish yeah. they had like a top-five defense. They don't. They have an okay defense. It's probably slightly above league average. But I never thought midway through the season that Buffalo would here would be with Buffalo number two seed home game five and a half point favorite and I'm not sure what version of Josh Allen we're getting but here we are yep that is mm-hmm. yeah I I get it man it's hopefully we get the good version that would be awesome uh but it's definitely a concern that's for sure uh I like your point though about the Bengals defense and I'll come back to that here in just a second but Scott I keep it going here with uh, I know you talked about the, the struggles to potentially run the ball here Joe Mixon I mean, 48 and a half uh, rushing over under here for, for Joe Mixon. And that even feels like a lot at this point. Yeah, it's a really low number to, to beat. But Mixon hasn't had a great season. He had that one big, what, five touchdown game. And then basically, otherwise, he was like kind of like a running back too, you know, barely creeping inside the top 20. And again, the, when the offensive line is has, problem, has problems, right? When it's leaky, when you know, every team can lose one guy and maybe figure it out, but you can't lose three. There's no way to, to mask that in the running game. There's no amount of creativity that's going to yeah. make up for that. And I haven't seen the burst from Mixon anyway. I think they're going to try to get him involved because they don't want Burrow to try to win the game on on his own. You know, They don't, probably don't want him throwing 45 passes if they can't protect him adequately. But this is screaming out Mixon's going to have like 15 carries, 41 yards. I feel pretty confident that's an under you have to punch. Frank, your spotlight leads perfectly out of out Yeah, of I was going to say, it's, it's, I, I'm on Joe Burrow train here. 275 and a half for his passing yards is high against a really good defense. But just to Scott's point, once the running game shuts down, you have Joe Burrow. You're going to say, okay, Joe, you got to figure this out. Go do it. And I think he can. I think he's a, he's a special player. He really is. I love Joe Burrow. As I've said often, especially when, when we talk to Charles on You Probably Win a Game, there's five dudes on this planet who just are, are above everybody else. It doesn't matter. Coach doesn't matter. Scheme doesn't matter. Teammates. 
they're going to figure it out because they're that great. He is in that group. And I think he goes over 275 and a half. I think he goes over one and a half passing touchdowns. I think there's a Joe Burrow game where the Bengals need him the ball out in a shootout to win this thing. And I think he's perfectly capable of going toe to toe with Josh Allen. So yeah, overs on Burrow for me. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'll keep pounding the overs on Steph Diggs. And look, it's 81 and a half receiving yards. I get it. That's a big number. But, you know, Scott, you brought up like I wish they, I liked their defense more. Um, last week, watching them against the Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, and Demarcus Robinson's putting a double move on uh, an outside corner there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Not only do they have injury problems on the offensive line, they also have huge injury problems at corner that haven't really shown up all year. But Damn, did they start uh, showing up against Baltimore there. Again, it's Demarcus Robinson. You don't want that to happen to you. You know, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, I think they can get over on those outside corners. You know, the, uh, the Ravens wide receiver room is so antiquated. They still have like a VCR in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. that, they need a fresh coat of paint. They need to just like raise that room and just build it from That's scratch. Terrible. By the uh, way, real quick, the- uh, real quick to your point, Matt, on, on Stephon Diggs and the overs. I love taking overs on guys who can get it mostly in one play. And we know Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen's looking for him. They're trying to hit that 50-yard play. So 100%. you get one of those in your halfway home. Yeah. Also, because they, they don't love their red zone offense, right? I mean, they're looking to make a shot. When they get around midfield, that's when they're really looking to hit that 45, 50-yard touchdown because yeah. they get frustrated when the space gets constricted. That's been a problem with this offense this year. Yeah, it definitely has. And it's just like the lack of Lack of reliable guys uh, beyond Stefan Diggs uh, in that passing. I'm although Dawson Knox has had a couple moments here for sure. Um, for all this, that particular matchup really is what has me. Uh, I'll go ahead and pick this game. I, I, I'm on the Bills. I know it's a five and a half is, is a decent size number here, but I'll still take it. Um, I, I think that I think that Josh Allen settles down here. I think that they they, they get some of those, those mistakes figured out. Like having that sort of slap in the face moment against Miami while also still winning the game can end up, I think, being a good moment for Buffalo, realizing that like, all right, we can we don't need to like throw the ball to Cole Beasley every single time he's on the field. You know, we, oh, we can we can let that <laughs> please stop. He's got to stop Cole Beasley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, doesn't uh, like, happen anymore. I know he got the one touchdown, but he was also definitely 100% responsible pretty much for that one interception mm-hmm. uh, as well. So I would love to see more of Khalil Shakir. They might get Isaiah McKenzie back in this game as well. You know, not that McKenzie or even probably Shakir is like a, a world beater or anything, but I think that should help the matter a little bit. Um, give me the bills here. I think they rebound. Uh, Scott, what about you? I just don't think there's anything that can flap or phase the Bengals, right? No matter what the score is, no matter how many times you hit Burrow, he, he's still just going to do what he does. I think they'll get Jamar Chase involved in this game, T. Higgins involved in this game, maybe, maybe even some of the stuff over the middle to to Hurst, the, this tight end they generally don't feature. So I, I just, Burrow has such gravitas and cojones in a big moment. I think they keep it a competitive game and you have to take the points. Frank, what about you? Yeah, same. I, I... You know, you get to this point in the season or doing this for years, you're rarely surprised by a point spread. I was surprised that this wasn't minus three, your standard minus three. And then it went up. And I, I get the offensive line issues, but if you're asking me since, well, let's say the, the beginning of November, which team was better, the Bengals or the uh, Bills, you can make a clear case it was the Bengals. If not a clear case, you're going to be like, oh, it was about even, 50-50. I mean, who knows? It's a coin flip there. So I don't know why this spread is five and a half. I, I really am surprised by it. Bengals could win this game. Why not? Like, we again, you, know, you mentioned, Scott, that Monday night game. We didn't see much of it. But in that small sample size, we saw the Bengals just moving the ball. Like, it wasn't like they were worried about the Bills' defense in any way. It looked like they were going to win that game. Who knows? I mean, it was a long, long way to go. We'll, we'll never game. know. I really think Cincinnati was going to win that I night. I really do. Yeah, I do, too. And 
and like you said, they're not phased by anything. They're not worried by anything. The only reason that this isn't one of those the smash play for me, like the Cowboys last week or something, is the offensive line. Yes, I could see Burrow getting sacked nine times, and and this really falls apart. And he presses, he throws some stuff. But if 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 that doesn't happen, if they can protect him a little bit, I think I think the Bengals are in play for the win here. I, I don't I don't know. I I'm trying to run, land on that narrow runway of Bengals cover Bills win. I think that it's going to happen. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Bengals won this game straight up. They're they're at very worst equal to the Bills over the last couple of months of the season. Don't feel good going against the betting bros here, uh, but I am on this one. <laughs> Let's move to the final game here. Cowboys at 49ers. 49ers are, compared to all these others, a measly three-and-a-half point favorite, 46-and-a-half over under here. Let's start when the Cowboys have the ball. And, Frank, I mean, you absolutely nailed it last week with the Cowboys that they're just a better team than the Bucs. Um, and it was because they got a great performance out of their quarterback. Dak Prescott had the fourth-best total EPA in a playoff game since 2006. He was awesome. Uh, you could see it when watching him. After those first couple drives, he was just completely dialed in. We got a great Kellen Moore game. But do we get anything close to that sort of performance out of Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore against a much, much better defense uh, in the San Francisco 49ers, Frank. Yeah, I, I need to – I want everybody to listen. Just stop. I have a crazy, crazy take here. Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. Can we stop <laughs> trying to make him out to be this terrible qu- – like, he's basically the new Kirk Cousins, where no matter what Dak does, people are going to just – can't wait to rip him. Oh, Dallas needs a new court. No, Dak Prescott's good. I get that he threw a lot of interceptions. He's not one of those five dudes walking the planet who could carry his team, but he's really good. And he showed that last Monday. And yeah, I get the Buccaneers stink, but the Buccaneers' defense is actually not that bad. And he torched them. The interceptions, yes, they're a problem. And it might pop up here against a phenomenal 49ers defense. But I think Dak's got the goods. I think that CeeDee Lamb, they don't have a lockdown corner in San Francisco. That's a team effort they got there. I think CeeDee Lamb can have a big game here. I need to run a game. It's going to need to get going a little bit. It's hard against that defense. I get it. But I think that, that that's going to have to happen to take some pressure off Dak's shoulder so he doesn't start throwing the ball around everywhere. But, I mean, there was a thing, you know, making rounds on, on Twitter today of Taylor the Tape, Brock Purdy versus Dak. I was just going to ask you about that. If, oh, since my <laughs> goodness. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Dak Prescott is light years ahead of Brock Purdy. He is so much better than Brock Purdy. And I, I don't get it. I don't get the disrespect for Dak. As long as we keep it in context. Again, no, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's a yeah. really, really good quarterback. He showed it Monday night. And I think he's going to play well in this game, even against a really, really good 49ers defense. My challenge for Dallas is Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, been saying it all season. Obviously, Pollard's a younger back. He's a more explosive back. But Pollard, 5.9 yards per touch. Zeke, yeah. 3.9 yards per touch. The 49ers should offer the Cowboys like $50,000 for every Zeke touch. Okay, just yeah, just right. do it, okay? <laughs> Payable in cash after every snap because they're be- – and look, I give Dallas credit. At least the usage has gotten – it's almost the 50-50 backfield now. They're both going to have packages. And look, when you get in close, you, you want Zeke to be maybe like the, the later part of Jerome Bettis' career. He's the one-yard touchdown guy. Uh, that's fine. But if the Cowboys get out of San Francisco, if they lose this game and Tony Pollard didn't get like 13 to 15 touches, they've really screwed up. And that was a problem in the 49ers game last year that like, all right, we're not getting a lot of plays for CD. We're not getting a lot of plays for Tony Pollard. Amari Cooper obviously was on the team at the time, too. It was like we're too much Zeke, too much, uh, too much of the tight ends. And and obviously, uh you know, Dalton Schultz coming off a big game last week, but still, that was a big problem last year, Scott. I don't think Kellen Moore will make the same mistake twice because I agree with you. Like, 
if we're not inside the 10 yard line and Zeke is, is getting like a first and 10 carry, we're <laughs> you're, you're wasting that down pretty much, yeah. especially against San Francisco. Who's a, the best run defense in the entire NFL. Let's transition to when the 49ers have the ball. Um, I have a serious note and a non-serious note. The serious note is almost one third of Brock Purdy's attempts against the Seahawks. Uh, according to next gen stats went to a target that had at least five yards of separation. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> that, 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 that's, so that is why, Frank, it's so crazy that on that graphic that you mentioned that's going around on Twitter, the Taylor Tape thing, I think yeah. it's from NFL Network, that like, oh, Brock Purdy is more accurate than Dak Prescott. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, okay. Okay. Sure. Sure, sure he is. <laughs> uh, my my non-serious note is like, hey, if you're Dallas, you just got to try to clench. You just got to clench and hope to not explode. Like you're trying to make it to the you're trying to make it to the toilet in time, man. You just got to clench and just hope you don't let anything go out because, man, this offense could really erupt uh, there in San Francisco, just like they did in the second half, Frank, like against the Seahawks. The Seahawks had a pretty good first half. They were perfectly fine. But like at the end of the day, that offense with all that space, all that separation, all those athletes just absolutely erupted and exploded in the second half against the Seattle Seahawks. And Dallas definitely has a better defense, but can is it good enough to prevent that onslaught that seems inevitable with the 49ers right now yeah and that's the thing i, I mean yes the, the, the avalanche could come at any time but brock Purdy has not faced a defense as good as the 49ers this this defense was number two in dvoa over the season don't get the respect they deserve i, I think the cowboys have a top five defense whether you believe dvoa or any other stats yeah this is the best defense brock Purdy has faced and i i you know maybe the 49ers if Brock, if Brock doesn't come out hot, maybe they get one dimensional. That's not going to work great against the Cowboys. I, I don't know. I think that this is going to be a, a much bigger challenge for the 49ers offense than they've had since Jimmy G got hurt. Of course, the 49ers could go for 40 on anybody. Once they get it cranking and, and Kyle's in his bag of you know, calling all these plays to get those five yards of separation, that's Kyle. That, that, that's the Kyle Shanahan stat. That's that's it's straight up. It's a silly stat that he threw that many open receivers. I, I, but I think this Cowboys defense is well more equipped than Seattle or Washington or Arizona or whoever else Brock Purdy faced to shut them down a little bit. And I, it's going to be a bigger challenge for them than they've faced yet since Juju got hurt. I'm a little concerned that Brock Purdy hasn't in boxing terms, tasted his own blood yet. Really, I mean, he had kind of a so-so first half against Seattle, but for the most part, it's been pretty smooth sailing. His efficiency numbers has been just as good as Garoppolo's, but they haven't thrown the ball as much when Purdy's played. That to be expected, right? We're talking about seventh-round pick, who was you know, if they you told the Giants on the Giants and Niners on draft day that Purdy would just make it as a long-term backup, they'd be like, oh yeah, good pick. They certainly weren't expecting him to need to play, let alone quarterback and helm playoff games. But the Niners offense, you gave every quarterback truth serum and said, okay, what skill talent would you like to play with? Just have it poured into your roster tomorrow. I think almost every quarterback would be like, give me the Niners stuff. This is the ultimate SUV. All the yeah. all the packages, all the trimmings. It's just got the heated seats and it's got the power steering and it's, it's unbelievable gas mileage. And you have Kittle, who's an all-world tight end, and Debo, you know, that draft, why did the Patriots take Nikhil Harry? But Debo Samuel, you can run so many things with him. But Caffrey's going to probably be the one or two pick in fantasy next year, and you can do so many things with him. Elijah Mitchell's a good number two back. Brandon Ayuk is an outstanding receiver. He might be the fourth best skill player on this team. Dallas is a great defense. I believe in DVOA. I believe in Dallas's defense. 
But I just don't know unless they can rattle Purdy. And if I were Dallas, I, I would almost look. I'd come after Purdy, and I'm not saying I would never say play dirty. But if, if you do get like a roughing the passer early, if you rattle the cage a little bit, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. Because if they're going to win this game, they need Brock Purdy to question himself. They need him to not be confident, to not be decisive. But I think the 49ers, if you if every team had the same, if we said there's an automatic quarterback play for all eight teams, there's no differentiation. We have a robot quarterback. I think far and away the 49ers are the best offense and the best team in football. I think they're going to the Super Bowl, and I think they're going to take care of Dallas here. I mean, shoot, Scott, you're not advocating for taking a, a page out of the Mac Jones playbook if you're saying get a roughing the passer call early if you're Dallas. You sneeze a little too close to, to a quarterback, you know, right now. You give him a, you get you you cough while you're taking him down for a sack. You're getting a roughing wait, the wait, passer. Wait, wait, so wait. I already mentioned Nikhil Harry. why did you have to mention Mac Jones and just like ruin my day, man? <laughs> not to mention all your hey. all your stuff about the explosion. I just had a bunch of plumbing work done this morning. You know, my, my wallet. Uh, my yeah, wallet. I, I don't have enough for a buy-in now, Frank. You know, I gotta just, I gotta just throw it over here. I gotta borrow some money from my college professor to play poker this weekend you know what's going on finally get around with reference in there but um this this offense is so much fun it's just it's, it's a joy it's really in a year where so many teams couldn't get out of their own way even playoff teams nobody wants to watch the ravens offense it's horrible <laughs> right no, you know I, I don't think we're going to miss the chargers you know they just fired their offensive coordinator 10 seconds after the, you know two offensive coordinators get fired after after playoff losses i mean there's a lot of bad offenses here the 49ers they're the treat. They're the dessert. You know, you you eat your vegetables so you get the to watch the 49ers game. I mean, listen, I'm hundred percent with you there. Uh for spotlights for this game, Frank. You you do think though this is this is the time when Purdy finally comes back to comes back to earth a little bit. Yeah, and I'm not one of these guys that thinks he's a fluke or anything like that. I, I don't want to trash him every week. But again, best defense he has faced. His over under right now is two forty three and a half. And let me tell you, there are multiple paths for him going under. Either he struggles against maybe what's the second-best defense in the NFL and just doesn't get there. Maybe the 49ers get out to a big lead, and it's just, hey, who, who wants some carries? Because we're going to run the clock out in the second half, and we're going to have Brock Purdy throw three times. It, it, there's just ways for him to go under that total. I don't see him going over it, and therefore, I can't tell you I would take the over on George Kittle 47.5 or Debo over 54.5. Whatever, whatever passing game totals there are for the Niners, I would not advocate an over. I think this is going to be a game where they try to, to grind it a little bit, keep Purdy safe into, to the point where he's throwing 15 times maybe. And whether that works or not, we'll see. But uh, yeah, don't, don't think the 49ers passing game gets off the ground in here. Big problem with Kittle is he's so valuable as a blocker. He's an extension yeah. of their offensive line. And obviously you want to you want to chip, you, you want to keep people away from Purdy. It keeps his fantasy ceiling a little bit capped. I, I did talk about last week about how he's on the touchdown heater with, with Purdy. They still do have that connection. But Kittle's too valuable as an offensive lineman to ever be a target dominator. And that always kind of – you have to separate the real-life value of George Kittle to the fantasy value of George Kittle. My fate is, is really simple here. Da, uh, Zeke Elliott, Zach Prescott. Zeke Elliott just looks like a compromised player right now. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to give him some of these legacy touches, but when he's sitting at nine carries for 15 yards, they're going to have to pull the plug on that. This is the best run defense in football. It's possible Dallas gets behind in the game. It is a road game. They are an underdog against probably the the best offensive pieces in the league right now. So I I think Zeke either loses touches through efficiency or the game flow gets out of hand. I think he's going to well under his rushing prop. And in any kind of contest where you get to pick whoever you want, DFS or start one and done, I wouldn't go near Zeke Elliott this week. The the rushing line prop for uh, Elliott right now is 30, 
34 and a half, which, which is going under. Noth- which is nothing. If you, for whatever reason, whatever reason, think he's getting 34 and a half, uh, rush or 35 rushing yards in this game, you go ahead and pick, take the over and parlay that with the 49ers money line. Because if Elliott's getting that many carries and he's going <laughs> over 40 yards or something, they win. 49ers are winning that game. All right. What so are the problems with Zeke? I, you know, this, I know it's apples and oranges, but Frank talked about like, you know, what are the good things about a Diggs props? He can get there in one play. Jalen yeah. Waddle can get there in one play. Tyreek Hill can get there in one play. Zeke is not a home run hitter. Pollard's a home run hitter. Zeke is yeah. like you're hoping to get a seven yard run, a nine yard run, maybe get to the second level, but he's not. It's not going to be you know. Oh, how did I, I, got, I got to the game late? Dallas is on the board. It's not going to be Ezekiel Elliott fifty five yard touchdown. That doesn't exist. Yeah, no, not not in this current universe that we live in. But the guy that I'll I'll do the spotlight on here. I'll I will take another massive game for Debo. I talked about him in the spotlight last week. And Frank, like I know that you're kind of down on the 49ers pass game here. And I I mean I get it. I think this could be the the moment where we see some more rookie mistakes from Purdy here. But Debo is the guy who can get it in one play. Yeah, yeah. Um, last week we saw Trayvon Diggs shadow around with Mike Evans. We could certainly see that with Brandon Ayuk as the primary kind of outside receiver there. And there are just so many advantages just matchups at that second cornerback position. I know we didn't see it a ton, but with with Brady and stuff with the Bucks last week, but they still got Mike Evans loose. Obviously the play didn't connect cuz it's the 2022 Bucks, but they still got Mike Evans loose deep in that game late. Uh, I think we could see some big plays here in spurts maybe for the 49ers uh pass game. So I do like the 54 and a half receiving yards over for Debo Samuel in this one. But let's go into the picks here. I'll get us started. I'm on the 49ers. I'm on all the home teams, all the favorites with the and take and, and land the points. Not good. There's no way that's correct. But but I'll go with 49ers here. I just think they are too overwhelming as an offense. I think their defense is good enough to certainly keep uh Dak from not having the game that he had last week. And again, Scott, it's the it's the talent, the overwhelming nature of that offense, the scheme, everything put together. The a ship that the 49ers have been building for years. And oddly enough, I think Brock Purdy's a, a good enough captain for it to get over the line here. I do too. And you know, Dallas seemed really satisfied with itself. Congratulations, you just beat the eight, nine Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where everybody on that team is like forty-seven years old. Way to go. You guys are awesome. Not only do I like well, the, the alternative the alternative, Scott, not to interrupt, the alternative is like they if they live in hell for the next like five months if they lose that game. So maybe it's not even just the the winning they're celebrating. It's the you know what, we didn't lose. Thank God we don't have to live in that world. I do think the playoffs are always interesting when Dallas is in them. And I think any Super Bowl matchup that would include Dallas would be really fun. But the 49ers have the best roster in football. Certainly, if every quarterback was average, averaged out, you would take the Niners roster. And not only do I feel confident enough that San Francisco covers the three and a half, but I'll, I think you could actually buy up the point spread, take San Francisco to cover a seven point spread or an eight point spread or something like that and get some odds in your favor. I think this is the one game I think is going to get out of hand because Dallas is going to get behind and... San Francisco, D'Amico Ryan's probably headed towards a head coaching job next year. Well-merited. It's just not a team you want to fall behind against. And Dallas, I just don't trust you know, McCarthy and Shanahan. I know Shan- you, you can poke holes in Kyle Shanahan. It's not like he's you know, beyond reproach. I mean, he had the, the 28-3 comeback was on his watch and stuff like that. But you're telling me I get Shanahan against McCarthy? McCarthy, I love it, you know? Uh, you're telling me I, I get a team at home. you tell me I get a team that has more options in, in the skill game. All I need is Dak is Dak Purdy. Dak, why can't I talk today? All I need is <laughs> to learn the names of these players. All I need is Brock Purdy to not pumpkin to not all of a sudden you know remind us why he went in the seventh round. Remind us why he wasn't really considered a prospect. As long as Purdy doesn't face plant, I think the Niners roll by double digits. 
Frank, you're going down with your Cowboys. Uh, how about them Cowboys? I remember uh, back in the summer, you guys know I do the power rankings, uh, the team previews, count them down. I had Cowboys fans in my tw- in my mentions on Twitter. Like, why are you ranking the Cowboys so high? What do you think? This team is not good. And I stuck. I, I did have a you know after Dak got hurt in Week One, I did have that moment of allow. Oh, maybe I was wrong. The Cowboys are really bad, but. If I'm not overreacting to the Buccaneers game, I promise. Because if you take out, and this is a tough game to play, I get it. You take out week one, where they just look terrible. I don't know what happened in that game. You take out week 18, where they have nothing to play for. This is a 12 and 3 football team. Somehow, the Dallas Cowboys flew under the radar all season long. We were so enamored with Philly early, so enamored with the 49ers late, that the Cowboys just kept winning games. And maybe it's because they didn't win their division, but whatever. Philadelphia is really, really good. I do look, Scott. You're right. McCarthy versus Shanahan scares the heck out of me, but Prescott versus Purdy should scare the heck out of the 49ers. Like, I, I know he has not. I, I can't sit here and say like, oh, he's he's just gonna fall apart at some point because it hasn't happened yet. But Prescott's a far better quarterback in this game. And I think these two teams are really comparable. I do. I think the Cowboys' defense is not at the 49ers level, but it's close. I think the 40 the the Cowboys' options on offense aren't the 49ers options, but they do have some dudes like Pollard and CD and even Dalton Schultz is playing really well. I, I just, I see the Cowboys winning this game straight up. I'm going to tell the line just moved to four as we've been recording this. I'm going to take the Cowboys plus four all I can get. I'm going to take them on the money line. I think this is the one road team that, that goes in there and I feel really good about it. I just, I just think this Cowboys team is really, really good. And the 49ers are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to shade the 49ers at all. They have been awesome. But I just think that that we're just so focused on how good the 49ers are that we've lost sight of the fact that the Cowboys are really good too. And I, I think they're totally live here. And, you know, there's going to be an upset this week. There's going to be a road team that wins straight up. And yeah. I think it's going to be the Cowboys. I really do. Maybe the Bengals too. Maybe the Jaguars making me look smart and, and pull that thing off. But the Cowboys are the one where I look and I say, this is what I can really get behind as an upset pick. Because I just, again, I think the Cowboys are, they have a Super Bowl roster. It wouldn't shock me if the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. And, just because we've all been kind of drawn off the set of the Cowboys, nobody wants to really talk about them that way. But I, I'm really all about this Cowboys team. I think they're very, very good. As long as basically Dak has to play mistake-free football like he did last week. McCarthy can't get in the way here. If that if those two things happen, two big what-ifs right there, right? But if that happens, I think the Cowboys are fully live in this game. Spoiler. Mike McCarthy got in the way. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. Tomorrow's headlines today. There is a you know, the, the, so the headline Monday. Yeah. The headline Monday will be: Can Jerry Jones really continue this Mike McCarthy thing? Yeah, I yeah. mean, come on. There is a scenario where I'm sitting there in whatever quarter, and I'm looking at my TV, going, "I bet on this guy, really." But I'm, with, I'm with you on the Cowboys. They could beat anybody left in the really, no, the Granted, there's really no good. there's no un, unbeatable team anyway. It's a year where everybody's got some flaw. I, I get it, but. Um, I think any matchup with the Cowboys going deep, if they get Philly again, that Philadelphia-Dallas game, even though Minshew played, was one of the best games of the year. That felt like a playoff game. Real, real quick, because I'm just curious, because I don't know that I have the answer in, in very brief terms. Who you guys pick to win a Super Bowl right now? Kansas City. Same yeah. with you, Matt? I think Kansas lean, I think lean Kansas City. I mean, it, could, it could be. There's just six teams that can win it. Yeah, there really are. I, I think that's it's a kind of a coin flip of those six teams. Like maybe the Chiefs are a little bit ahead of Dallas, whatever, but they're all within that thirteen to seventeen percent range of winning the, the Super Bowl, which I've never seen from six teams at this point before. I honestly can't tell you who I think wins the Super Bowl anymore. I, I picked the Bills preseason. I don't feel great about that anymore. I had the Eagles yeah. going to the Super Bowl preseason. I don't know anymore. I mean, the 49ers are obviously a wagon right now, but I, I do have look. 
Rookie's never done this before. Rookie third stringer has never done this before. It's hard for me to just wrap my head around. I don't know. It's a no, great though, field. we it's can't get away from this. Up. We haven't we haven't said it yet. We said it last week. It's just hard to get. And I realize Brady wasn't a rookie in two thousand one, but it just reminds you so much of it. I, I'm granted that Oops. Patriot team didn't have anywhere near the skill talent. The Patriot team was was all about their defense. And then they had worker bees that Antoine Smith. They had Troy Brown, you had Jermaine Wiggins. He had good play. Troy Brown was actually a really good player. Probably should have been the Super Bowl MVP or maybe Ty Law. Brady had fewer than 100 yards into that final drive in that Super Bowl. Somehow they give him MVP. I thought that was the wrong pick. But be that as it may, Pur- Purdy, the one guy who reminds me of is Brady. He's really cool. Um, he, nothing, nothing seems to phase him. He's surrounded by really good pieces. He's surrounded by the best defense in the league. I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to have Tom Brady's career. Who would ever be dumb enough to predict that? But I'll tell you what I will predict. I'll predict that Brock Purdy starts opening day next season. Wow. Yep. Uh, I, I think not Tom Brady in San Francisco. We're not, no, no, no. Brady's going to be a Raider. Come on. Brady, Brady already has you know, that. prior I experience. That. I hate that Raiders fit. for. That's uh, a different podcast for a different day. But who's that benefiting? The Raiders? Brady? What? Well, they, they've walked away from Carr. Was Jared oh, Stidham the answer? No, no. The reason I hate the 49ers Kyle Shanahan fit because I can't imagine like I mean the, the Tom Tom Brady uh, 49ers fit. The reason I hate that is like I can't imagine Kyle Shanahan turning over the reins to Brady at all. I mean, give me a no. Break. That's like, a good he point, wants yeah. he wants he wants Kirk Cousins. He has a Kirk Cousins. He wants Brock Purdy. He wants Brock Purdy. I mean, just point offense. shoot, kid. Exactly. <laughs> We're not getting any kind of uh, improvisation here. All right, who's going to run my offense? Brock, you do it. You're a robot. Go ahead. You're fine. I'm wish I'm just wish casting a good old fashioned 50-50 uh good old fashioned 50-50 training camp battle here. Trey Lance, you got a 50-50 shot to win it. Brock Purdy, you got a 50-50 shot to win it. May the best man win. That's what I'm wish casting here for this team. But for now, that is going to do it for us. A banger of a podcast for one of perhaps still the best weekend of football. Make sure you can follow this whole crew on Twitter here. Frank, the classic company man at Yahoo Schwab, Scott, my underscore bro, at Scott underscore Pianowski, and I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Don't recommend you follow me, but make sure you follow those other two guys. And of course, make sure you're following the real company. I mean, the actual company at Yahoo Fantasy as well. I'll be back on Monday with a recap of these games. Until then, we're out.